Section thirty four of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales translated by Helena Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section thirty four. Reader's note on the charitable loan by Abraham Raisin. In Hebrew, the title of this story would be Hagamach. This is an acronym for the phrase Gimilus Chesed, or an act of loving-kindness. In this story, gemach is an interest-free loan that's offered solely to help someone in need. So when you listen to this story, remember that in the Jewish tradition, gemach is not just a good thing to do, but an actual responsibility for those who can offer it. End of my reader's note. The Charitable Loan by Abraham Raisin The largest fair in Klemenka is Ulas. The little town waits for Ulas with a beating heart and extravagant hopes. Ulas, say the Klemenka shopkeepers and traders, is a heavenly blessing. Were it not for Ulas, Klemenka would long ago have been aus Klemenka. America would have taken its last few remaining Jews to herself. But for Ulas one must have the wherewithal. The shopkeepers need wares, and the traders money. Without the wherewithal even Ulas is no good. And Chaim, the dealer in produce, goes about gloomily. There are only three days left before Ulas, and he hasn't a penny wherewith to buy corn to trade with, and the other dealers in produce circulate in the market-place with caps awry, with thickly rolled cigarettes in their mouths and walking sticks in their hands, and they are talking hard about the fair. In three days it will be lively, calls out one. Pshasha! cries another in ecstasy. In three days' time the place will be packed. And Chayim turns pale. He would like to call down a calamity on the fair. He wishes it might rain, snow, or storm on that day, so that not even a mad dog should come to the market-place. Only Chayim knows that Ulas is no weakling. Ulas is not afraid of the strongest wind. Ulas is Ulas, and Chayyim's eyes are ready to start out of his head. A charitable loan. Where is one to get a charitable loan, if only five and twenty roubles? He asks it of every one, but they only answer with a merry laugh. Are you mad? Money just before a fair? and it seems to Chayim that he really will go mad. "'Suppose you went across to Leiberberis,' suggests his wife, who takes her full share in his distress. "'I thought of that myself,' answers Chayim meditatively. "'But what?' asks the wife. Chayim is about to reply, "'But I can't go there, I haven't the courage.' Only that doesn't suit him, to be quite so frank with his wife, and he answers, Devil take him, he won't lend anything. 
Try! It won't hurt, she persists. And Chayyim reflects that he has no other resource, that Loiberberis is a rich man and living in the same street, a neighbour, in fact, and that he requires no money for the fair, being a dealer in lumber and timber. Get me out my Sabbath overcoat, says Chayyim to his wife, in a resolute tone. Didn't I say so? the wife answers. It's the best thing you can do to go to him. Chayyim placed himself before a half-broken-looking glass which was nailed to the wall, smoothed his beard with both hands, tightened his earlocks, and then took off his hat and gave it a polish with his sleeve. Just look and see I haven't got any white on my coat off the wall. If you haven't, the wife answers, and began slapping him with both hands over the shoulders. I thought we once had a little clothes-brush. Where is it, huh? Perhaps you dreamed it, replied his wife, still slapping him on the shoulders, and she went on, Well, I should say you have got some white on your coat. Come, that'll do, said Chayyim almost angrily. I'll go now. He drew on his Sabbath overcoat with a sigh, and muttering, Very likely, isn't it, he'll lend me some money. He went out. On the way to Loiberberis, Chaim's heart began to fail him. Since the day that Loiberberis came to live at the end of the street, Chaim had been in the house only twice, and the path Chaim was treading now was as bad as an examination. The approach to him, the light rooms, the great mirrors, the soft chairs, Loiberberis himself, with his long, thick, beard and his black eyes with their gewehrish glance. The lady, the merry, happy children, even the maid who had remained in his memory since those two visits, all these things together terrified him, and he asked himself, Where are you going to? Are you mad? Home with you at once. And every now and then he would stop short on the way. Only the thought that Ulas was near, and that he had no money to buy corn, drove him to continue. He won't lend anything, it's no good hoping. Chayyim was preparing himself as he walked for the shock of disappointment, but he felt that if he gave way to that extent he would never be able to open his mouth to make his request known, and he tried to cheer himself. If I catch him in a good humour, he will lend. Why should he be afraid of lending me a few roubles over the fair? I shall tell him that as soon as ever I have sold the corn, he shall have the loan back. I will swear it by my wife and children. He will believe me, and I will pay it back. But this does not make Chayyim any the bolder, and he tries another sort of comfort, another remedy against nervousness. He isn't a bad man, and after all, our acquaintance won't date from today. We've been living in the same street twenty years, Parabotska Street. And Chayyim recollects that a fortnight ago, as Loiber Barris was passing his house on his way to the marketplace, and he, Chayyim, was standing in the yard, he gave him a greeting due to a gentleman, and I could swear I gave him my hand.
Chayyim reminded himself. Loibabaris had made a friendly reply. He had even stopped and asked, like an old acquaintance, Well, Chayyim, how were you getting on? And Chayyim strains his memory and remembers further that he answered in this wise. I thank you for asking. Heaven forgive me. One does a little bit of business. And Chayyim is satisfied with his reply. I answered him quite at my ease. Chayyim resolves to speak to him this time even more leisurely and independently, not to cringe before him. Chayyim could already see Loiba Beris' house in the distance. He coughed till his throat was clear, stroked his beard down, and looked at his coat. Still a very good coat, he said aloud, as though trying to persuade himself that the coat was still good, so that he might feel a little more courage and more proper pride. But when he got to Loiba Beris' big house, when the eight large windows looking on the street flashed into his eyes, the windows being brightly illuminated from within, his heart gave a flutter. Ay, Rebbeinu Shalolem Gewalt, help, came of its own accord to his lips. Then he felt ashamed, and caught himself up. It's nonsense. As he pushed the door open, the prayer escaped him once more. Gewalt, mighty God, help, or it will be the death of me. Loiberberis was seated at a large table covered with a clean white tablecloth, and drinking while he talked cheerfully to his household. "'There's a Jew come, Tarty,' called out a boy of twelve on seeing Chayyim standing by the door. "'So there is,' called out a second little boy, still more merrily, fixing Chayyim with his large black mischievous eyes. All the rest of those at table began looking at Chayyim, and he thought every moment that he must fall of a heap on to the floor. "'It will look very black if I fall,' he said to himself, made a step forward, and without saying good evening, stammered out, "'I just happened to be passing, you understand, and I saw you sitting, so I knew you were at home. Well, I thought one ought to call neighbours. Uh. Well, welcome, welcome," said Loiber Beres, smiling. "You've come at the right moment. Sit down." A stone rolled off Chayyim's heart at this reply, and with a glance at the two little boys, he quietly took a seat. Leah, give Reb Chayyim a glass of tea," commanded Loiber Beres. "Quite a kind man," thought Chayyim. "May the Almighty come to his aid." He gave his host a grateful look, and would gladly have fallen onto the Gavir's thick neck and kissed him. "Well, and what are you about?" inquired his host. "Thanks be to God, one lives." The maid handed him a glass of tea. He said, "'Thank you,' and then was sorry. It is not the proper thing to thank a servant." He grew red and bit his lips. "'Have some jelly with it,' Loiberberis suggested. "'An excellent, excellent man,' thought Chaim, astonished. "'He is sure to lend.' 
"'You uh, deal in something?' asked Loiber Barris. "'Why, yes,' answered Chayim. "'One's little bit of business, thank heaven, is no worse than other people's.' "'And what price are oats fetching now?' it occurred to the Gavir to ask. Oats had fallen of late, but it seemed better to Chayim to say that they had risen. "'They have risen very much,' he declared in a mercantile tone of voice. "'Well, and have you some oats ready?' inquired the Gavir further. "'I've got a nice lot of oats, and they didn't cost me much either. I got them quite cheap,' replied Chayim, with more warmth, forgetting while he spoke that he hadn't an ear of oats in his granary for weeks. "'And you are thinking of doing a little speculating?' asked Loiber Barris. "'Are you not in need of any money?' "'Thanks be to God,' replied Chayim proudly. "'I have never yet been in need of money.' "'Why did I say that?' he thought then, in terror at his own words. "'How am I going to ask for a loan now?' and Chayim wanted to back the cart a little. Only Loiber Barris prevented him by saying, "'So I understand you make a good thing of it. You are quite a wealthy man.' "'My wealth be to my enemies!' Chayim wanted to draw back, but after a glance at Loiber Barris' shining face, at the blue jar with the jelly, he answered proudly, "'Thank heaven I have nothing to complain of.' "'There goes your charitable loan,' the thought came like a kick in the back of his head. "'Why are you boasting like that? Tell him you want twenty-five roubles for Ulus, that he must save you, that you are in despair, that—' But Chayim fell deeper and deeper into a contented and happy way of talking, praised his business more and more, and conversed with the Gavir as with an equal. But he soon began to feel that he was one too many, that he should not have sat there so long, or have talked in that way. It would have been better to have talked about the fair, about a loan. Now it was too late. Oh, I have no need of money. And Chayim gave a despairing look at Loiber Barris' cheerful face at the two little boys who sat opposite and watched him with sly, mischievous eyes, and who whispered knowingly to each other, and then smiled more knowingly still. A cold perspiration covered him. He rose from his chair. "'Are you going already?' observed Loiber Barris politely. "'Now perhaps I could ask him.' It flashed across Chayim's mind that he might yet save himself, but, stealing a glance at the two little boys with the roguish eyes that watched him so slyly, he replied with dignity, "'I must. Uh, business. There's no time.' And it seems to him, as he goes towards the door, that the two little boys with the mischievous eyes are putting out their tongues after him, and that Leiber Barris himself smiles and says, Stick your tongues out further, further still. Chaim's shoulders seem to burn, and he makes haste to get out of the house. End of The Charitable Loan by Abraham Raisin